0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Listen up, this is our time now. Second half is our time. We're gonna make some changes on defense. It's spreading us out too far. We're gonna put Sunshine, Allen, Glasgow, Davis. You're gonna play both ways, rest of the game. I don't want a receiver to get across that line of scrimmage. Coach Yost will tell you where you're playing, all right? Let's go, it's our time, everybody in. Our time, our time, our time. Titans on three. One, two, three. Right. Let's go, let's go, just one of the coolest Movies of all time. Remember the Titans. I know if you've seen it, you love it. How are you today? Are you amazing? Great. Are you amazing today? Come on, this is Oaks Church. Might get loud at Oaks Church. Little rowdy up in here. I'm so glad to be here with you today. My name is Joel. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I hope I get to meet you in the lobby today. Um, My sweet wife has a migraine today. Uh, The pretty weather, I guess, was too much. I don't know. Uh, But lift her up and pray for her head because when mama don't feel good, Nobody feels good at my house. That's all there is to it. All right, praise God. Let's get this thing going. Are you ready? Halftime. Guys, we're in the middle of our unstoppable campaign. We've talked about it for the last two uh, weeks. Today is the finish of this uh, series, and it's commitment day. Today is our commitment day. We've been talking about three things that we're going to commit to as members of and parts of the body of Oaks Church. We've talked about how we have all been called to be fishers, of men. God has called all of us to be a part of his great commission. It's not just one person's mission, it's all, all of our missions. It's a co-mission. We share the mission, and the mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, and, and anyone who believes in the name of Jesus shall be saved. Our job is the job of the evangelist. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus, and he's called each and every one of us to be a part of this mission. Amen? Amen? So we all have a part to play. And none of us get to opt out. None of us get to say, okay, here, you, you, you go in and I'm just going to sit back. I mentioned how at my house, as soon as the girls were old enough to toddle and pick something up, they had a job. My kids work. They don't get to just live there for free. They have a job. They're all in. They do chores. They earn money. They have an opportunity, and it's about responsibility. And the house of God should be the same, that each and every one of us recognize that we have a part to play. We have a position on the team, and we're called to do something as a part of the team and not just sit in the stands and eat popcorn and watch the game. Uh, We we went with the football theme today. Thank you, Angel Marie, for handling everything with all of our decor and design and the team and the volunteers that all came together to help that. Uh, Super duper grateful. I didn't play high school football. Uh, It was seventh, in Oklahoma when I grew up, it was uh, seventh grade was when you started in football, and that was the same year that I uh, won my first national championship uh, in the martial arts, and my mom made me choose. She's like, look, Joel, we can't do both. You're you're committed already to your martial arts training. You're already in tournaments every weekend uh, doing this. There's no way you can do both football and the martial arts. So I chose to stick with the martial arts. And by the time I was a sophomore in high school, I had a basically a full-time job, and I would come home. I was daniel Son, wax on, wax off, paint the fence, sand the floor. That was my life. Literally in the mid-'80s when the Karate Kid came out, I'm like, man, Daniel-san, got nothing on this. I, I, that was my life. I literally I vacuumed the, 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 the dojang. I, I did the windows. I did all of that. I mean, that was my role. And, and so that was how I grew up. And by the time I was in high school, I'm literally, I'm competing at nationals in college. I'm on the U.S. Taekwondo team. I'm fighting all over the world. And so to me, I didn't sit in a locker room or sit on a sideline and have halftime speeches the way a lot of other team sports players did. Our halftime speeches were one minute long in between rounds of a fight And you literally had exactly 60 60 seconds to catch your breath. You're either sitting on a stool, or you're on your knees facing your coach, and your coach is in your face, and he's giving your halftime pep talk. And he's telling you what you did wrong, and what you need to shift, and what you need to change, and where your mindset needs to be. And halftime for me was 60 seconds of get some water, shake it off, get a little blood off if I had a little blood, and get back in there and duke it out again. And one of the greatest experiences and joys that I had was when I shifted from being just a competitor to try to win champions myself to becoming actually one of the coaches for the Junior Girls USA Taekwondo team. And my job was to be that halftime speaker, and I got these little 13 and 14 and 15 year old little black belt girls coming to the edge of the ring, and I'm cleaning blood off them, and I'm wiping off little swollen little black eyes, and I'm like, you get back out there, Ashley. You get back out there, Jessica. You get back out there, and you fight that tough little Russian girl. You get back out there, and you fight that tough little Argentinian girl, and you take it to them. And I'm doing halftime speeches. I got 60 seconds to wait somebody up to get them back in the game back in the fight because stuff can go wrong in the middle of a fight stuff can go wrong in the middle of a game and we as a church Oaks Church we were born at a time of adversity we launched our church just 12 quick months before a pandemic We started our our building campaign in the middle of a global pandemic. We bought this building in the middle of a pandemic. We've done already, guys. We've walked through this, and any of you, you're watching online, you're part of our online community, thank you so much for being with us and being a part of Oaks Church. At any given moment, we've got two to three times the people that are in our services actually participating throughout the week online, and we're grateful you're a part of our church, and we're thankful that you are. But all of us can go onto our website, oakschurch.com, click the button that says Unstoppable. You can see the entire journey, everything we've been through in the last three years, what we've accomplished, what we've got left to accomplish. And we were born into adversity, and the Bible says that a brother is born for adversity. I don't know if you know or not, but our nation is in a time of adversity, I heard um, a story this week of, of, of someone calling the cops and the dispatcher answered and the woman was frantic. She, she was crying, she was, she was horribly upset. She was claiming that she had just been robbed. She was in the parking lot of, of, of a Walmart at the little gas pump just trying to get some gas and, and she had gotten robbed and the lady's trying to calm her down and through her tears, she finally is able to start answering some questions and the dispatcher said, what did the person that robbed you look like? She said, it looked like pump number nine. I just paid $4.50 for gasoline. Come on, that was a good one. You got to laugh a little bit. This is a tough time. It's a tough time. I I mean, mean, they're saying that there's going to be food shortages. They're saying that, 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 you know, I mean, inflation is high. The highest inflation rates in 50 years. Guys, this is the time. When normal people say, you know what, we better, we better just sit back and we better settle down and things don't look very good. But a brother is born for adversity. And the people that are called to move the kingdom of God forward understand that in the midst of adversity is when championships are won. Championships are won in the midst of adversity. I, I, I have the pleasure of, of, of getting to do pep talks for my girls. I love doing pep talks for my girls. And to encourage them, listen, I, I don't want my daughters walking around in life thinking that, that life is all cotton candy. No, life is stinking hard. And, and you gotta be willing to go toe to toe, and you gotta be willing to, to get tough, and you gotta be willing to suck it up a little bit because the people aren't just gonna hand you anything and everything. You gotta fight for the things that you wanna accomplish in your life. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian, Pastor Joe. <laughs> you remember when Jesus made a whip? And took it to the temple? Did, did you know that he, pre, that was premeditated? He fashioned, he fashioned the whip. He made his own whip. Whip skills. Watch me whip. <laughs> I knew somebody would help me finish that one. <laughs> he premeditated a violent act. Did he hurt somebody? There's no record of him hurting anybody, but he sure ran some people around, turned over tables, and he took authority in a place that his father had dominion and had given him authority. And we, as the people of God, have to know where the places that God has given us authority are and when we need to get our whip out and when we need to take dominion, because if not, we will be victims in this life. We gotta be tough. Jesus said, Be gentle as a dove and shrewd as a serpent. Oh, we forget the snaky part. There's a time to be snaky, Christians. Jesus said so. There's a time to to be willing to bite if you got to bite. Why? Because we have a wicked, evil enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, Jesus said he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you stay in dove mode all the time, you'll get eaten. You'll get devoured. Christians are not supposed to be pantyways. They're not supposed to be little sissies. They're supposed to be tough, durable gutsy adventure seeking champions that's what we're supposed to be did you know that every single come on you can clap for that that's a good thing did you know that every single one of the apostles every single one of his original followers died for him they didn't say yes to a to a pleasure cruise they say yes to a revolution they said yes to a challenge. They said yes to the scariest thing they would ever endure. And if your Christian life is boring, you're not doing it the way Jesus commanded you to do it. When's the last time you walked up to someone on the street that you didn't even know and talked to them about Jesus? Jesus. When's the last time you, you stopped someone in the, in the grocery store and said, hey, uh, you know this might sound a little crazy, but I really feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Is there anything going on in your life that you need prayer for? When's the last time that you were at a restaurant and, and your little waitress was having a bad day or your waiter was having a tough time, and instead of sitting there and, and complaining and, and bickering about it and, 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 and wanting to give them a tiny little tip, you stopped them and said, hey... You look like you're having a tough time. I want you to know that I'm gonna give you a really big tip today, but more than that, I just wanna make sure you're okay, and if I could, could I pray with you? When's the last time you stepped out and did something gutsy with your Christian faith? It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be boring. Jesus told his disciples when he needed a ride, he needed a donkey to ride into town. He said, go into town Find me a donkey and just take it. And if anyone asks, say, The Lord has need of your donkey. A donkey was like a Lexus, y'all. Try that at the Walmarts. The Lord has need of your Lexus. See how that goes. Can you imagine the conversation with the disciples walking to steal a donkey? Borrow, borrow, thou shalt not steal, Jesus didn't sin. You understand, this is a thrill, this is crazy. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, guess what? Go out and I want you to go from city to city to city and wherever you go, lay hands on the sick and heal them. Cast out demons. Preach the kingdom is here. The authority of God is here. And guess what else? Don't take any money. And if people let you in and let you stay and feed you and welcome you, then then walk on in. But if they reject you and turn you away, then shake the dust off and walk away hungry. Dude, that is not an easy assignment, guys. But that's the Jesus that we claim to follow. The season we live in here in America feels like famine in some ways. Potential food shortages, gasoline prices, economy going up, things on pause. It doesn't feel good right now. But our God, the God that we serve, is fit for famine. Story after story after story in the Bible of God doing miraculous things in the midst of a famine. Our nation is in a crisis of morality. A crisis of morality. I'm a girl dad. I prayed for boys, God didn't love me enough. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just joking. I gotta mess with my daughters when I can. Uh, he, no, he made me, a, he made me a, a girl dad because he knew I would fight for my girls. And, and and I look at a world, I look at a world where where I have to face the reality of my, my little girls playing sports in college against grown men with grown men anatomy that just feel like a girl, that makes me wanna fight. I'm sorry, makes me wanna fight. I mean, a Supreme Court justice that says she's not a biologist, so she can't say what a woman is? I asked Siri just to check, and Siri still knows what a woman is, but not a potential Supreme Court justice. This world is a mess, guys. It's an absolute mess. Feels like famine. But God is fit for famine. I'm going to take you to two fast stories. Genesis chapter 26, Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, had a promise, and there was a famine in the land. Genesis 26, verse one. There's a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar, then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. And then God goes on to affirm the covenant that he had made with Abraham. He confirms the covenant to the next son, Isaac. He says in verse four, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all of these lands and in your, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be Blessed In the middle of a famine, God says, I have a covenant with you, and I'm going to multiply you, and I'm going to bless you. When everyone else is starving, when everyone else is struggling, you're not stuck in that economy. You're tapped into my spiritual kingdom, and I will have covenant with you in the midst of famine. Verse 21, it says, then Isaac sowed in the land. He sowed in the midst of famine. It doesn't make sense to sow in the midst of famine. It makes sense to hoard and to eat. But he sowed, and watch what happens. He reaped in the same year a hundredfold, And the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. This is the covenant that we have with God. The covenant that we have with God is that we have the opportunity to sow into our agreement with him. To give ourselves, to give our time, to give our talent, to give our financial resources. We can sow in the midst of famine and we can prosper a hundredfold in the middle of famine when everyone else struggles, when everyone else goes without. God has the ability to prosper you if you act according to the covenant he's given you. Elijah found himself in the middle of famine. It was a famine of his own creation. He had declared, it's not gonna rain again until I say so. Three years go by. No rain means no crops. No crops means no food. No food means animals and livestock are dying. The whole place is a mess. And Elijah is living in the famine... He's down by a brook. Finally, the brook dries up. He's got ravens bringing him food. That's just nasty. And he's literally eating from dead carcass. I mean, gross, guys. Roadkill. Weird. I don't know what the ravens are bringing, but I don't want it. And finally, the Lord says, hey, it's time to move. There's a a widow in Zarephath I want you to go see. She's going to provide for you. So he shows up, and the widow says to him, I don't have anything. I've got just a little bit of meal and i got just a little bit of oil. I'm literally gonna make our last cake, our last loaf of bread, and my son and I are going to eat it and then prepare to die. And Elijah says, okay, cool, but how about this? Make me a cake first. How about this? Put God first. Give God the tithe first. Sow into God's kingdom first. Give God your energy first. I know it's a famine. Give God your talent first. I know we're in the midst of crazy times. But put God first. And as the story goes, it says in verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. God did a miraculous work inside of a tub of flour inside of a jar of oil, that because of the woman sowing in the middle of famine, sowing in the middle of famine, giving in the middle of famine, tithing in the middle of famine, serving in the middle of famine, that she tapped into a supernatural increase. She tapped into a supernatural harvest A perpetual harvest. I believe, I believe in the philosophy or in the theory or spiritual law of perpetual harvest. Doesn't mean you won't go through lean times, but if you sow in every season, guys, you know there's a crop that grows in every season. There are different crops that grow in different times of year. Things grow in different seasons. If you sow in every season, you can reap in every season. Uh, This isn't some kind of a name it, claim it uh, type of of hyper-prosperity gospel. Now, now I believe that God is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to him. You don't have an impoverished heavenly father. And any one of you, if you're a good father or a good mother, you want your kids to do better than you, don't you? I want my daughters to use me as a launch pad and launch off of me into a a life of success that's greater than anything I've ever accomplished. Why? Because I love my kids. And and, and I want to see a great legacy for them and for their lifetimes. And how much more will your heavenly father, Jesus said, give you all good things? That's your Jesus. That's your father. We've got to believe that God has good plans in store for you. He wants good things to happen to you even when bad stuff's happening all over the earth. He's got good things in store for you. That's the covenant we've been given. Um, we are in the middle of famine with our Dallas Cowboys. I need some of you to fast and pray, cast out demons I'm not gonna talk about them right now. I can't talk about wonderful days with the Dallas Cowboys unless I go back like 20-something years. <sighs> I saw Emmett the other day at the little golf course over here. I'm like, Emmett, please come back. I think you can still, I think you can still help us. So I'm gonna tell a more recent story. Uh, a story about our Dallas Mavericks. Come on, we gotta find someone to root for. Um, it's 2011. We had this star player Dirk Nowinski, now a Hall of Famer. I believe Hall of Famer should be, will be at some point, if not. Um, But Dirk had never won a championship. He's this German superstar. I don't know if you ever got to see Dirk in real life or watch him play. He he, he looked like the most unathletic individual you've ever seen. It was like this weird... To the ball. I mean, this weird German robot going after a basketball, unbelievably awkward to watch him, but he was such a machine. He was such a technician. Well, in, in, in the 2011 championships, there was another team that was claimed to be a super team. Everyone hated him, the Miami Heat. They, they had this guy named Dwayne Wade, who was the greatest drawer of a foul of all times. In those playoffs, in game, I believe, three and four, Dwayne Wade drew 48 fouls all by himself. 48 fouls all by himself. The entire Mavericks team in those same two games only drew 46 fouls. One dude. But it wasn't just the one dude, they had recruited from Cleveland this guy named LeBron James. From the Raptors, they recruited this guy named Chris Bosch, and these three together were talking a lot of smack. They were claiming that they were going to blow, blow way past the, the Lakers, blow way past anything that, that Michael Jordan had done the Chicago Bulls. They promised Miami eight championships, talking all kinds of smack. And then there was these Dallas Mavericks. never won a championship. In the middle of the series, it was a two to one series. You know, the basketball NBA, it's best of seven. And game four is what's called the flu game, if you remember history. Dirk Nowinski, our star player, came down with the flu. And LeBron James and Dwayne Wade were caught on camera faking sick. Coughing and, oh, 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 and making fun of Dirk Nowitzki because he was sick. They were so cocky. They were so confident that now that Dirk's sick, they're going to blow these Mavericks out. And Dirk had an opportunity to make a decision. He's sick as a dog. He's got the flu. Thank God it wasn't COVID. To ban him for a month, whole season. He could be a bench warmer. he could be a playmaker. Dirk decided he was going to be a playmaker. In that game, he toughed it out. In the last 10 minutes, he scored over 10 points, came back from a nine-point deficit at the 10-minute mark, made 21 points, and won the game. LeBron James, that game, only scored eight points in the entire game, shut him down. They came back to Dallas after that and We beat him out two games and we won our first championship with the NBA, with Dirk Nowinski. Dirk chose to be a playmaker when he had all the excuses in the world to be a bench warmer. I believe Oaks Church is in a moment of decision. This is a defining season for us. Defining season. Guys, we got a great team, we got great volunteers, we got a great building, it's good, everything's good. Guys, this is a great season for us. And if it's just about us, if it's just about taking care of our few families and making things good for our kids and having good services and singing about getting loud on Sunday and having a pastor that's pretty good or whatever, if it's just about if it's just about that, then 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 we can just sit back and chill. But it's not about us, is it? I believe there are thousands of people that need to come to Jesus because of your light shining in this city. I believe there are thousands of people that need to get saved because Oak's Church exists inside this city. This is this is a defining moment for us. Are we going to sit back and be about ourselves and be a country club church where we get fat and happy? Sing the songs we like, eat eat, eat the, feed on the on the messages that we like? Is that going to be our destiny or are we going to become an evangelistic soul Reaching soul saving church full of people that are thinking about who else needs Jesus and who else needs to be a part of this great move of God. Someone asked me a question. It's actually Pastor Ron, our, our missions pastor, that helps us with all of our vision for, mis- for missions and outreach and all of that. He asked me a question. He said, Joel, if, if Oaks Church disappeared tomorrow, would anyone notice? So that's a real question. It's a real question. I said I think some people would notice. I mean, we 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 do a lot of good in this city. We we feed a lot of kids, and we help a lot of moms, and we're we're clothing lots of people, and we're taking care of families. I think I think I think there would be people that would notice. But guys, I, this isn't about me. This isn't. I, I I'm I'm almost fifty. Guys, I don't have anything to prove. I've won all my championships. I've signed all my autographs. I've had great successes and had great careers. I don't have anything to prove. If it's about Joel's comfort, let's all kick back and enjoy it. Because I'm good. This feels good to me. One service full, that's easy, man. This is like vacation right now. I'm used to doing three and four services a weekend in the last, last place that I was. But it's not about Joel. It's about the kingdom. It's about salvations. It's about the lost. It's about guys. Do you realize, Justin McKinney? Justin McKinney. There are a hundred thousand people that don't go to church. Justin McKinney. Not including Allen and Frisco and Prosper and Salina and Melissa and Anna and all of the places that we draw from. There are millions of people. Do you know that Collin County is going to eclipse Dallas County in population, they say, by the year 2040? Collin County will be the biggest county in all of the Metroplex. Millions and millions and millions, a thousand new people a day move to Collin County. Do you know that? Do they know Jesus? Do they know Jesus? I mean, a lot of them are come from California. There is no shot they know Jesus. I'm just joking. (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) I came here from California too, a long time ago. I was born in California. I love California. But come on, they need some Jesus. When God was ready to build his tabernacle, he spoke to Moses, Exodus chapter 35. He said, take from, what, from among you an offering to the Lord. Watch this, watch this. Here's the qualifications. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze. He goes on to list a bunch of other things that they would need to build the temple. Verse 21, it says, and then everyone who came, whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle and the meeting for all its services in the holy garments. Whoever is willing, whoever's heart is moved. I'm not up here, and and here's what's amazing in this story. Moses the people's hearts were so moved to build the house of God, they were so moved to create a place of worship that they brought so much that Moses literally had to go out to the people and tell them to stop giving. It's too much. Please stop giving. It's just too much, guys. No more giving. No, put that back. Take that back to your home. Too much giving. And that's the last time a preacher ever said that. Whoever's heart is willing, whoever's heart is stirred. There was a leper that came to Jesus. The leper said to Jesus, "If you are willing, you can make me clean." And Jesus' response to him was, "I am willing. Aren't you glad Jesus is willing? Jesus was constantly moved with compassion. Even when the rich young ruler walked away from him, Jesus says of Jesus that he looked, the one who's walking away from him, it says he looked at him and he loved him. His heart is willing. On the worst day of Jesus' life as a human, the very worst day of his life, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's under such stress and pressure and anxiety that he's literally, his capillaries are bursting and droplets of blood are coming out of his pores. He's in such anguish. And he prays a prayer. He says, Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass before me. But not my will, your will be done. Jesus was saying, I don't want to do this, but I'm still willing. Aren't you glad that you have a Savior who is willing? Willing to pick up that cross, willing to have his back ripped off. Willing, the Bible says he was beaten to the point where he was unrecognizable of a, as a man. He was on his face, his head so swollen and distorted. His beard literally ripped completely out of his face, covered in blood. He was willing. And here we are, just a few weeks away from Easter. Who will you bring? Who will you bring? I'm, I'm inviting people left and right. Oh, well, yeah, you're the pastor. Yeah, I know, and I'm supposed to lead by example because you're the minister's. The Bible says you're the ministers. Pastor Brain and I and other spiritual leaders, Travis, and all these small group leaders, we are here to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. You're the ministers. You're the ones that have circles, spheres of influence where you know people and you know their life's a mess, and you know that they need Jesus, and you know that they that they need a good home church. Who will you bring? We're going to two services in two weeks. On Palm Sunday, Sunday, that, that's, that's the day that Jesus rode in on the donkey. I told the story earlier where his disciples went and bartered. That's the day he rode in and, was, and was, was declared as the king, the Messiah. Just seven days later, he'd be on the cross. That's this coming, it's this the season, this three, that's just two weeks away. That's the same day we're doing baby dedications. That's an amazing day. Jesus is the king and we're doing baby dedications on that day. The next Sunday is Easter. And then the Sunday after that, we're having baptism services again. Guys, I want to see another 20, 30 people baptized. But it won't happen. It won't happen unless, unless you guys say yes. Unless you guys say, here's who I'll bring and here's where I'll serve and this is what I'm willing to give to help move the kingdom of God forward, the house of God forward. What are you willing to do for God? That's the question. I'm not here to manipulate anyone. If, if, if in your And we've asked everyone for, for the last three weeks to pray. If, if, if you have prayed and God said, hey, it's not time for you to serve, it's time for you to get healed. It's time for you to just sit here and soak it up and get healed. God bless you, obey the voice of God. God bless you, obey the voice of God. If God has told you, hey, you know what? It's not time for you to share my love with anybody. Then you are not listening to Jesus because he would never say that. Do you know the woman at the well who was in the middle of of adultery? The woman at the well in the middle of adultery had five husbands already. Jesus says, the one that you're with, he's not even your husband. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet because Jesus read her mail. That same day, she goes out and tells everyone in her city Come meet the man that told me everything I've ever done. Come meet the Messiah. And she goes from being an adulteress to the greatest evangelist in 30 seconds. Because anybody can share the love of Jesus. Anybody can invite. God says, hey, look, don't give. I don't want you to give. Look, obey God. I'm not here to twist anybody's arm. God will accomplish this vision. You know why? He said it's unstoppable. He said it's unstoppable. But I believe that this is a church where people are willing. I believe this is a church where people's hearts are moved, where people are saying, I don't wanna be a bench warmer. I don't wanna just sit in a seat and be a spectator. I wanna be spectacular on the field. I wanna win championships for God. I want to be a playmaker. I can tell you story after story after story of playmakers. We got an amazing playmaker right now uh, running our kids ministry, Latia. I don't know if Latia's here today or not. She might be back there. Latia is an unbelievable playmaker. She, she has a full-time job. She's a, she's a full-time single mom with a high school son. She also started her own foundation that she helps scholarships uh, and mentor kids and all kinds of stuff. And she runs our kids' ministry. Why? Because she's willing. She's a stinking champion. Not in it for accolade. Not not in it for for glory or fame or any of that kind of stuff. A playmaker. I remember a time in my wife's life where I watched her step up and be a playmaker. She had her own business. She was a hairstylist. She had a a, a pretty good clientele um, at the time. And she came to me and she said, Joel, I feel like the Lord wants me to tithe off of the gross of my business before any bills, before any rent, before any, anything. I believe God wants me to tithe off of the gross of my business. I said, that is not God. I didn't have the faith for it. My wife had faith that was beyond my faith. She said, I really feel like I'm supposed to do this. I said, that doesn't even make sense. It's not not true income until you've taken care of all your expenses first. She says, it doesn't matter. I feel like God wants me to do this. I said, okay. And again, I'm not going to squabble. I mean, the God that's given me everything, I'm going to squabble over a few hundred extra bucks a week or whatever. I'm just not going to squabble over it. God's bigger than that. He's more important than that. And I've learned my entire life, you can't outgive God. What can I tell you? Amen, it's true. That year, my wife's business tripled three times. Tripled, 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 tripled. Tripled. Doesn't make any sense. Her heart was willing. Her heart was moved. I got a buddy named Kevin. Some of you guys remember Kevin showed. One of my heroes of the faith. He's a pastor over in Carrollton now. And... uh, He was my youth pastor, my assistant youth pastor for a long time and then he was my youth pastor and then he became my associate pastor so Brandon could become the youth pastor and and, and, and Kevin, I'm telling you, every single year, every single year, every single year, we worked together on church staff for probably close to 15 years. Every single year, Kevin would come. The church was in a tight spot talking about budgets, talking about where we have to cut, talking about this and that. Kevin would come and say, hey Joel, you don't have to pay me anymore. I'll do this job for free. I'll just go back to the corporate world and, and, and I, can make so, I can make more money, Joel, in the corporate world. I'll just go back to the corporate world. I'll still do my job for free. That Kevin, every single year. Kevin, shut up. You're not leaving me. Stay put. You're not leaving me. I need you, Kevin. You're not leaving me. Every single year would come and literally offer his salary back. You don't have to pay me, Joel. You don't have to pay me. I'll do this. This is my service for Jesus. I'll do this for free. You don't have to give me anything. Every single year. That's a playmaker. That's a playmaker. I believe we're putting a championship team together at Oaks Church. And I believe that we have playmakers that God is calling in this season to step up and put it all on the line and say, put me in coach. Give me the ball. I'll, I'll take the shot. At the end of the game, there are people that wanna make the shot and there are people that wanna pass the ball. I think God is bringing people together at Oaks Church that are take the shot people. Because I think we're going into a championship season. And whether you're an online member or you're a member that's here in the building with us today or you're on a rotation because of travel or whatnot, there's a part for all of us to play. And we're gonna go back into worship for just a second. And i want to give you just a moment in this service to worship the Lord And to hear the voice of God, we've all got a a card like this underneath our chairs um, for your unstoppable pledge. Online, you can stop by the front desk today uh, at the end as well. I'll explain more about this in a little bit. Online, you go to oakschurch.com. You can click the unstoppable button, see the whole thing. There's a button at the bottom where you can make your pledge. You can go to connect or you can go to next steps and you can click a button that says to serve. You can make your commitment today. we're asking you to make your commitment today and even give the best gift that you can give today. I've already done mine online, the best gift that I could possibly do. I've got more things I'm moving around sacrificially uh, so that I can do even more this week because I wanna make some big moves for God. I, I believe, I believe, I believe in the God that can multiply in a season of famine. And we're gonna lead by example. So I just wanna pray for you right now and then we're gonna go into this time of worship and you can just steal in your hearts what God wants you to do. But of all things, guys, of all things, if you choose one area that you're gonna to commit to God, if you choose one area today, you're gonna to commit. My heart and my prayer is that we're all in people and we all commit to all of it. That's my heart and my prayer. But if there's one area and I could pick, it would be that you would become soul winners that you would think that you would wake up, eat, sleep, drink, breathe. Who can I talk to, to, to about Jesus? Who can I invite to church next? Who can I shine the light of Jesus to? That's what I want more than anything else is that we have a church full of people that want to introduce people to the same love that they've experienced. Amen? Come on, let's worship the Lord. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.